Mike and Chris, we would have played for nothing. This is the second sort of a book here that uh, almost like a trilogy for Faye Vincent. First one was in the 30s and 40s, the only game in town. And now we're going to spend some time in the 50s and the 60s. We would have uh, played for nothing. Faye, of course, uh, former deputy commissioner for Bart Giamatti, his buddy, and now of the commissioner as well. And he joins us here on Sports Radio 66. Watch us all the time up there in Williamsport, Williamstown, Massachusetts, and down in Vero Beach in the wintertime. Faye, good to talk to you. Chris and Mike, how are you doing today? I'm glad to be with you guys. I am a fan, and I watch a lot. Well, you got to ease up on Minko a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> he does. Listen to that. He's on we top like, of it. We like to have fun. And, you know, interestingly, Faye, just the uh, tribute in the book to Marvin Miller is an interesting place to yeah. start, uh, whose contributions to baseball continue to be ignored by those blinded by their own ignorance with respect, regret, and apologies. Interesting. You know, I had a letter from him the other day, and it was a very touching letter. Um but it mattered to me a lot because Marvin was saying that he appreciated what I'd done by standing up for him. And uh, Marvin doesn't need my help, but it was very nice of him to write me. Well, don't we, can't we go, and recently you made two interesting statements, and we're going to get to the book a lot, but you made two interesting statements that you talked about, the drugs in baseball and gambling and the peripheral effect you think gambling's having on all sports. But don't you blame the effect of Miller a little bit on some of the stonewalling that just to be protective of players' rights that the union did that maybe really hurt the ability to get to the steroid issue? Yes, although I never dealt with Marvin. He was gone. And so I dealt with Don and G- Don Fear and Gene Orza. And you can say that they bought his culture and therefore he was responsible. But Really, I think Don and Gene are the best union leaders, uh, certainly in my experience. That union is enormously successful, beautifully run, clean, no cheating, no lying, no nothing disrespectful has ever been pinned on those guys. On the other hand, they're so powerful. And I never could get them to agree that they had a role in protecting the game. They said, that's your problem. We're not interested in that. We take care of the players. So, yes, Mike, I think... Had they gotten involved more cooperatively, remember Steve Howe. I threw Steve Howe out after seven drug violations. Was it seven? I was going to say eight. And what did the union do? The union challenged it, goes to arbitration, and gets Steve Howe reinstated. I mean, that was not – it wasn't good for Steve. It wasn't wasn't good for baseball. It wasn't good for – and the Yankees. Right. I say to myself, had they come along earlier – now, we all deserve some criticism. Certainly I do. I wish we'd known more when steroids came along. I thought it was a football problem. But I think, the, I think we all did. Yeah. I thought, you know, bulk up. It's not what DiMaggio and Willie Mays and, and Frank Robinson did. They were quick. They weren't bulky. Canseco was bulky, but he was unique. And so we were wrong. We didn't realize that there are thousands of different compounds called steroids. It's not like cocaine. There are just so many different drugs. Pitchers can take it, hitters. And so we were wrong, and we should have jumped on it. I banned steroids in 91. And the union ignored it. The union said it wasn't done through collective bargaining. We're not going to accept it. That was a bad mistake. Uh, do you think that, you know, C-League now, I know that you and Bud sort of love hate and sometimes more hate, but I understand that C-League always likes to say that I knew nothing about it into 98. You know, I wasn't aware of it that much. And, you know, I, 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 he's done a good job in the last couple of years. We all agree with that. But do you think that he and the owners had their heads in the sand? Do you think there is a little honesty when Bud says 
you know, I had no idea that this problem was apprehended. You think that Bud and everybody else knew exactly what was going on from an owner's standpoint? No, I don't know. I don't think he knew what was going on. I don't think the owners were playing games. I don't think they were doing what many people suspected, that is, going along with Sosa and McGuire. So you don't think they knew that? I don't think they knew. I think they were like a lot of us. I think they had concerns. They should have had some knowledge. But I don't think they knew the extent to which it was going on in baseball. I hope I'm right. Uh, is Selig, do you think he has had his heart in the right place in this area in the last two, three years? Or do you think he wouldn't have done anything unless Congress got involved? Well, I think both. I think he's been doing the right thing. I think appointing Mitchell was the right thing. But I think Congress is the 800-pound gorilla. What really happened is Congress, in effect, pushed the union to behave. Without Congress, the union would have still been And start that with the Conseco book. We can start that there, too. And I think the the Congress deserves a lot of credit. But I think Sealing uh, really has done a good job. The union should have been helpful to Mitchell. It wasn't. I think uh, Selig said, I'm going to try to clean it up. I want to find out what happened. Mitchell told me that he knew part of his job was to investigate Selig. And I think that was important. Mitchell's an honest guy. I think if Mitchell had found the smoking gun with respect to the owners, we would have heard about it. Hmm. I I don't think it was there. Faye, do you think it's even remotely possible ever again to have a real commissioner or is the economics so – they have to protect the economics so much that they're always going to have an owner's man or one of their own as a commissioner? Well, that's a very good question, Mike, and I don't, of course I don't know the answer. I think in all sports there's a tendency to stick with the independent commissioner. I mean, Stern and Tagliabue, who came along about the time I did, Bart did, they certainly did a good job. Um, baseball's, I think, tougher, uh, but – because the union is so much stronger than the union in football or basketball. But I think they'll go back to uh, an independent commissioner. I I think that the owners will probably try to find somebody that they believe will listen to them. Uh, And, you know, look, I failed. Had I done a better job, I would have persuaded them not to try to break that union, that 94 was not possible. The disaster in 94 was my, my failure. You know, we get a lot of questions, uh, Faye, before we get to the book, and we'll spend a lot of time on it. Faye will be at bookends tonight for a Q&A, uh, so if you baseball fans uh, uh, and you get a rare chance to sit and t- chat with Faye, will be at bookends in Ridgewood tonight at 5 o'clock after he finishes with us. We always get a lot of questions because he still has fans, and a lot of fans don't grasp the difference, and they should, between drugs and, and gambling and, and what the impact is on baseball or any sport. But you get a lot of questions still about Rose from time to time. Um, In retrospect, if Rose had handled it with any humility and any honesty, would he be in a far different place now than he he is all these years later? Or was kind of the – it was the deck stacked against him once we found out what we found out? Well, I think – you know, I always say to people, it's a little bit like asking me, wouldn't it be wonderful if an elephant could fly? Um, Pete Rose didn't have it in him. Yes, had Pete Rose been well-advised and a different human being when we caught him, look, the evidence was overwhelming, guys. You know that. Oh, we know. We know. There was was no doubt about it. No doubt about it. If you say to me, did you ever have any doubt? No. If he had come in, and Bart and I talked about it, we said, what would we do if he comes in and throws himself on the mercy of the court, which he should have done? And show some humility. Yes. Right. What we would have done, I think, is say to him, Pete, look, we want you to go out for two or three years. 
and travel the country and explain to people the danger of gambling, the corruption, the risk, even if you're a manager and you're always betting on your own team, explain to people why that's corrupting of the game. I tell you, uh, guys, I don't think the fans understand today why it's corrupting. No, I don't think they grasp it. A lot of people say, oh, these drug guys come back. Why doesn't Pete come back? And they don't realize it's a completely different thing. And And they don't realize that betting on your own team, if you don't bet every night, is a serious problem. Is an indicator. Plus, you could blow out a pitcher when you have a big bet one night and ruin him for the season. So, I mean, there's so many things you can do. picking the relief pitcher. Right, Right. exactly. And some pitchers he wouldn't bet on. I mean, we found some Cincinnati pitchers he didn't like. So, <laughs> and, he was, sense, yeah. and he was smart. You know, he made money betting on baseball. He didn't make money on basketball or football. But Pete Rose knew so much about baseball that he made money, according to our calculation. We would have said, prove to us your story, that you understand this is not about you. This is about the deterrent. This is about baseball. So the issue to me has never been should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame or should he be reinstated. It's whether Bud Selig or Faye Vincent or Bart Giamatti would ever want to change the deterrent in baseball because it works. Everybody knows if you touch that rail, even for a split second, you are dead. Did you ever think, and I wondered uh, on this uh, point, because he was so beloved and the way it happened, uh, would it have been different if Giamatti had lived? No. Pete always said that the the worst thing that ever happened was Giamatti, to him was Giamatti died right. and that guy Vincent took over. And and had a kind of a and blamed him a little bit yes. for you know for And he was very vicious about John Dowd and me. We didn't give Pete a fair chance. We railroaded him. His rights were not protected. I mean, it's a little bit like a guy who pleads guilty saying he worried about jury selection. I mean, <laughs> once you plead guilty, we're not going to talk about jury selection. It's ridiculous. I think Bart would have done just what I did. I think he would have been very sorry. Bart really liked Pete. Oh, he and did? I, and I think Pete knew that, whereas I never had any dealings. When Bart caught Pete, not caught, when Pete Rose pushed an umpire at first base. Dave Pallone. Dave Pallone, who was a gay umpire. Right. Wrote a book and, about it. And... Bart called me up. I was at Coca-Cola running a movie company. He said, I want to know what you would do for this guy, Rose. He said, what's the punishment? And I thought, you know, I looked at the president. I said, you know, three or four games. He said, you are a wimp. He said, it's ten games. Nobody touches my umpires. Well, Bart loved the umpires. But Rose handled them so so well during that period. He didn't complain to Bart. He didn't whine about the suspension. He treated Bart very respectfully. And Bart liked Rose. Wow. All right, how about, do you blame Selig for your ouster when the owners, when was it, 93? 92. 92. Do, do you blame him specifically? No. There was always this feeling that, you know, well, from the Bud camp, well, Faye's always taking shots at me because he blames me for getting him out of there, firing him as the commissioner. Is well, that true? I think it is true. I, But I'm now 70 years old. I'm much more mellow, and I don't take shots at anybody anymore. You you watch. I mean, I, I I realized that I made a lot of my own mistakes. A lot of it was my own doing. And I think Bud and the owners sincerely believed that they had to get rid of me to see if they could take that union down. And they, and, thought, and they thought you were too friendly with the union, yeah, so they, had to, they want to fight that salary. And I had issue. too much power. And so Dick Ravitch came on. He was going to make this breakthrough deal with the union had no chance. Don't forget collusion, guys. Selig and Reinsdorf, and this is the proper verb, stole $280 million from the players in collusion. They got caught. 
they paid $280 million plus interest. Now, you don't break a union on the heels of collusion. I said that to the owners. They didn't want to hear that. I failed because I couldn't persuade them. You can't go after the union coming out of collusion. Reinsdorf and Selig were the ringleaders of collusion. Fear and, and Orza knew that. And Marvin Miller would have come back, guns blazing. There was not a chance. Not a chance. And that's why 94 is a very bad criticism of Selig, but also of me, because had I been able to persuade Selig, back away, you're not going to pull this off, I think we would have had a different Uh, So Selig was just intent. And one last thing as far as, I remember the one thing he did that none of us could figure out in the middle of the summer there in the early 90s, you wanted to move the Cubs in the NL West, and you wanted to do divisional alignment. And the Cubs said, you can't move us away from the Cardinals. Uh, I know you had Buck and Michael in the office there before a day game. You took a lot of hits for that. Give a, go us through that process for well, a second. that's your friend Lupica. No, Lupica uh, did that? Okay. <laughs> and he had a point. Um, the, the problem with Showalter and me was over Steve Howe. It had nothing to do with, with the realignment. realignment. Okay. What happened is... Uh, they gave some quotes to the press, Showalter and Gene Michael, um, and you're pushing me now to be critical. I, I'm trying very hard to be mellow. I can see that. Uh, but what the heck? But, that's but what job. they did was they said the baseball rules on gambling are ridiculous. And they spoke out criticizing the me and the baseball gambling rules. So I called them in. I said, look, guys, in your contract, it says you cannot dissent. You can't disagree with positions in baseball. That is, those are the rules. Commissioner makes the rules. And so what you really did is you told me you don't like the rules. You're resigning. And Showalter almost died. I said, so what, when you said publicly that you don't accept the rules in baseball under your contract, I treat that as a letter of resignation. Now, I was jerking his chain, but he went back and saw Lupica. Lupica wrote a column the next day ripping me apart. And what Mike did was he called me before he wrote it, and he said, you trampled on Showalter's First Amendment rights. Now, I'm a lawyer. Lupica's not. I said, Mike, you ever read the First Amendment? He said, what does it say? I said, it says, Congress shall make no law. I said, here's the way to test whether you're right or I'm right. You go down to the news. That's where he worked at the time. Tell them that they're full of baloney. It's a lousy paper. You don't like their editor. You don't like the guy you're working for. And he's going to fire you. And then you're going to say, wait a minute, you're trampling on my First Amendment rights. You can't do that. I said, you know what, Mike? You have no First Amendment rights, Mm. except vis-a-vis the government, not vis-a-vis your boss. Uh, Try it. Now, Mike didn't know that, and he ripped me a new rear end the next day. Oh, he did. But, you know, I had made my point. How about the Cubs? Didn't you want to put the Cubs in the NL West there for a while? Well, some of the owners had come to me. Look, under baseball at the time, Atlanta was in the West, and St. Louis is in the East. So I checked my local third grader. I said, is (laughs) is Atlanta to the West or is St. Louis to the West? And she said, Atlanta is to the East of St. Louis. I said, well, baseball says St. Louis is to the East of Atlanta. I tried. That was a mistake on my part. Yeah, that's why the Dallas Cowboys, boy, they're in the NFC East because, you know, they've been there forever. That's why. I mean. I should have left it alone. And Fred Wilpon gave me very good advice. He said, you don't have to swick at every pitch. You know, in in a way. That's good. That's a good job. Yeah. I swung at the wrong pitch. You know, uh, we're talking with Faye Vincent, uh, the former commissioner. His book, We Would Have Played for Nothing. We'll get to that. Uh, We'll do one more overview and then we'll take a break. 
Faye, the other thing is you you brought up recently the gambling and the peripheral gambling and how it's what, – what do you think the danger is? Where You said all sports. You didn't just mean baseball. Where, what do you think the proliferation – now, there's no sports gambling outside of Vegas. We know there's a ton of illegal gambling. We know that. There's offshore gambling now, uh, and there's a lot of lotteries and a lot of casinos. What – in terms of professional sports, what's your fear? Well, I don't limit the professional sports. I mean, look at – um, in my experience recently, and you guys read what I do, I mean, here's a kid from Notre Dame who tries to rig a Northwestern football game. Here's BC basketball with a bunch of guys taking money to shave points. We know that gambling has become a way of life in this country, and people are betting around the clock on virtually everything, even though you and I know most of it's illegal. The fact is the sports world is very vulnerable we saw it with Donahue and the NBA. I mean, that was the tip of the iceberg, I'm afraid. I worry so much about the argument that people are making that they only get paid a certain amount of money. They can get a lot more money if they help out the gamble. You don't have to tell me anything serious. Just call me a few nights ahead of the game. Give me a little tip-off. I've talked to umpires who said they've had calls. Mm. It is a serious worry. Have you ever investigated off the record? I'm not off the record, but without any names, obviously. Have you ever investigated an umpire that you thought was maybe gambling or involved no, with never. anybody? No. I had a couple umpires that I caught betting on non-baseball in the off season, And you know it got public. Don Zimmer was doing so. They were calling a little two-bit uh, bookie in Florida and betting on football and basketball in the off season. Two umpires plus Zimmer. The feds turned them over to me because the guy they were betting with while he was a small-time bookie was a big-time drug dealer. The feds weren't interested in him as a bookie, they, and they weren't interested in our guys. Right. But the numbers turned up on the uh, wiretaps. So I dealt with that. I think I did the right thing. That's not, to my way of thinking, the end of the world. But I didn't want them doing it anymore. So I told them no more. And Zimmer said many times that, it made his Sunday so much more pleasant because he wasn't. And his wife said to me, you saved his life. Um, I think that was the right answer. People criticized me for not being more aggressive with the umpires. But I knew they weren't doing anything really serious from a baseball point of view. But they were doing something that could have led to some. It's when you get in debt. Yeah, that's when you get in trouble. All right, Faye Vincent, good to have him with us. We would have played for nothing. His book in a sec.